It pays to race Maryland Breads in Maryland. Right now at Laurel Park, Maryland Breads Racing and open overnight races receive a 15% owner's bonus and a 15% developer bonus for finishing first, second, or third. In addition, Maryland Breads in $45,000 maiden claiming races are eligible to waive the claiming price. There's no better time to breed and race in Maryland, and you can learn more about the advantages of breeding and owning Maryland Breads right at MarylandThoroughbred.com. That URL once again, MarylandThoroughbred.com. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. We're dropping the show on Wednesday, November 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving. We're going to cover some racing on Friday. We've got Laurel to talk about. We'll also look ahead to a little bit of Laurel on Saturday. We've also got Churchill Downs with a very, very nice looking Friday card. We didn't want these races to fall through the cracks. So we're doing a special show today. We will be back on Friday looking at some Saturday races as well. I am going to take Thanksgiving off, though we have pre-recorded an In the Money Plus show with Scott Shapiro again on Churchill Thursday and also Frank McGowey. So you may want to check that stuff out as well, and we'll get to it all. But we start off at Laurel, and to do that with us, we have a returning guest he is coming to us. Uh, he's the communications manager for the Maryland Horse Breeders Association, MHBA, returning to these airwaves. John Piasek. John, what's going on? Hey, Peter. I'm doing great. Um, obviously, a lot of sports going on this weekend. Of course, um, game two of United States' quest for the World Cup takes place on Friday. But my focus is going to be on Laurel Park, where there's a pair of stakes for Maryland bred or Maryland side sprinters. And we're going to get into those races. Yeah, I guess this will actually be all happening at the same time, won't it? I'll have one eye on USA England and another eye on Laurel. But that's just the way I like it. we got to keep the action flowing. Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing better than a big uh, day full of sports of all kinds. It's going to be fun. Yeah, loads of college football, obviously. Um, yeah, but I circled the date on the calendar a long time ago for, for uh, USA England. But, hey, we're, we're, I'm, it's a multitasking world, so it's, it's going to be you know it's, it's, very what easy. What does a modern analogy allow us to watch as many sports as <laughs> you want at all hours of the day? I've put that to the test on many times. I have to say the first thing that strikes me looking at this pair of stakes races is um, is the uh is is the the depth and quality of the fields i think we got some interesting stuff happening here you know and maybe in the case of one of them it's uh the, the field size is short but the quality is high but we kick things off in race number seven we're going seven furlongs on the dirt this is the howard and sandra bender memorial stakes uh let's start off with uh howard and sandra bender themselves what's what's sort of the history of this race Yes, so this race is is named after longtime breeders in Maryland, uh, Howard and Sandra Bender. They got involved in racing in Maryland in the 80s. Um, they were the owners of Glade Valley Farm. They won six Maryland Million races, which puts them um, in the upper echelon of top Maryland Million breeders. Perhaps their most notable horse they bred, uh, Lorraine's Tomes, won a Maryland Million tote twice, doing so in 2002. And in 2005, and they were voted Maryland Breeder of, of the Year three times in 2001, 2002, and 2003. So it's nice to have them honored with their own stakes for some of the top 
Maryland Red Sprinters athletes. No doubt about it. And a lot of the names in here are going to be very familiar to uh, those that pay any attention to racing in the in the mid-Atlantic. From a wagering point of view, where where is your eye drawn? I didn't see a ton of pace in here and was going to try to maybe work out some sort of pace angle. But why don't you kick us off? What do you what do you think is going to happen? There's not a lot of pace in here. And, and, and that makes things interesting for number seven, Twisted Ride, who is actually the only non-Maryland dread in the field. He gets in because he is Maryland sired. He's by... Great Notion, who has really curved out his place in recent years as one of the, not just a top Maryland sire now, but a top Maryland sire in history. He's been the leading sire in Maryland each of the last uh, six years. And right now he has, he's on pace to win his seventh straight stallion of year title. So love to see it. Chris Ride, he's, he's really been rounding into his best form. I think he did, he did win a stakes earlier in the year at Parks. However, it, it was only a three-horse field. Returned from a brief layoff in mid-August, joined the Michael Moore barn, and since then he's run some good races. Really, his only bad start came going two turns at Delaware Park, of course. This is one turn. Crushed a Pennsylvania bred uh, allowance field back on August uh, 22nd on the Brisbane scale. He ran a big figure that day of 90. Then last out at Parks um, on Election Day, and an hour or two other than allowance optional claiming. Chased the pace, ended up second. We had a big figure that day of 97. The only horse in here who I think goes with him early is number five, Monday morning quarterback. He is the 2020 Maryland Million Classic champion. However, he has not really been the same this year. He is coming off a win, but that was a win in very favorable in very favorable circumstances. And he was kind of drifting out late that day, not too encouraging. I think Chris Ride should find himself pretty cozy on the front end. And if he gets the exact kind of trip he wants, he could be tough to catch at the top of the lane. I'm with you with Twisted Ride. I thought the pace scenario and that last race were just very obvious attributes in in this one's corner. And I think it has a chance to, as a late season three-year-old, hold that form or maybe even improve a little bit more. Another runner I did want to ask you about, though, uh, for sure, a very much of a, of a winning kind and familiar runner, where she told me to go for Brittany Russell. Do you think this one is the main threat, or who else do you like to potentially come with uh, Twisted Ride in this spot? Well, I will say that where she told me to go is is – in my opinion, the kind of horse that, uh, that the sport's all about. Very hard-knocking gelding, bred by David Wade, currently trained by Brittany Russell, a 13-time stakes winner, won this race last year. He's won stakes at two, three, five, six, seven. And if he wins this race, he will pass the million-dollar mark in earnings, which is very nice. Um, if he wins this race, I think it's, 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 it's going to be on pure class. He has won three stakes this year um, back on September 30th at Delaware Park, ran a game race in Newcastle, won a photo over Indian Lake. Last time I closed well on the inside, I did not think was a serious threat to catch the winner. No sense. One thing kind of interesting about him is he tends to run better when he's coming off a bit of a break. Um, all three of his stakes wins uh, this year came when he had not raced in, in, in 60 days or more. And his last start, which was a defeat, came off a month layoff. And, and he's coming in here of, of another month break. So while I while I think he's still the most likely winner, and of course I'll be cheering for him, I think he is a little bit vulnerable coming off a relatively quick turnaround. 
Yeah, I, th I think you're probably right. But if you were messing around with exotics, certainly one to think about including. And and I'll I'll say this: the kind of horse that even if you decide to oppose, you applaud when he comes back walking in the winner's circle, because you're absolutely right. What a resume um, where she told me to go is put together over the years in, uh, in Maryland and, uh, and throughout the mid Atlantic, really. Um, when you look at the body of the form, any other angles you want to touch on in here before we move on to the eighth? I think it's two horses worth uh, also talking about. Uh, number two, always in a hurry. Um, another son of great notion bred by Dr. And Mrs. Tom Bowman. Very prominent breeders around here, along with Quinn Bowman and Rebecca Davis. He was third last time out in Maryland Millions, but really got going late. He had a tough post draw, broke on the far outside post, didn't do too much running um, till the very end, but did close well and get and got third. Two starts back, he upset Wonder Where Craig is in an allowance optional claiming sprint at, at, at Pimlico. The two best races he's run in a long time. Have both been in his last two. Since coming back from a vacation in mid-June, he's really been around in the form and could pull off the upset for trainer Dale Capuano. And then number four of another three-year-old, uh, 110, a homebred for Barrick Farm, trained by Jose Corrales, a two-time winner at the Laurel Park meet, both times against much softer competition than on face today, but both times he came off the pace, made a big, wide, swooping move, and won going away, earned big figures both times. Obviously, this is going to be a much tougher spot than he is used to, but if he makes that kind of move again, he could prove hard to hold off. Guessing pace is such a tricky business. I think both you and I do see this as coming through on the slower pace side and twisted ride, being able to dominate things up front, but going the extra furlong today over the last time and with the possibility that things heat up unexpectedly, it does feel to me like always in a hurry and 110 would be logical alternatives to twisted ride or potential exacta partners if you're willing to fade uh, where she told me to go in that second spot good thoughts there from john let's move to the other maryland bred maryland sired stakes race on the card we have the politely stakes going six furlongs for fillies and mares three-year-olds and up and we've got a field of six going forward how do you see this one shaking out on the track well just as a a little background um uh, politely was owned and bred by Alejo Dupont, who also campaigned Kelso, a two-time Maryland bred horse of the year in 1967 and 1968, and one and was one of the top Phillies and mayors of her time. Uh, number six, Feed is free, not quite in, in Politely's class, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. she's had a fantastic campaign. And in fact, with a win, I think, would set herself up as a prime contender for Maryland bred horse of the year, a $10,000 claim back in August of 2020 and, and another offspring of great notion. Uh, she's won four times in the stakes this year. Most most recently won a Maryland million uh, to staff, sat the pace and drew off to win by a length and a quarter. Her only bad recent races came with some excuses. She was about beaten third in the Roman Rachel at Parks. However, that was a wet track. And I, and I uh, just don't think that she stripped that well out of town. Was well beaten in the Auburn North back in July on this track, but caused quite the ruckus in the gate before the race and probably just never got her head on straight. If she runs her race, she's going to be tough to beat, but but I do think there are some options here if you want to take a shot against 
a like with you on the top end with feel of the spree i really like how she takes her racetrack with her and i like that there are to my view pretty obvious excuses for the races that didn't work out you mentioned about the gate trouble and that non-effort back in july but i was definitely willing to forgive the park's effort in the slop as well just didn't didn't seem to be a track that she was particularly handling another great story Gotta love one with a 500 batting average, 11 for 22 in her career. Terrific story. And that's that's a very interesting notion about her potentially being able to annex this and going on to be uh, the, the noted Maryland bread of the year. You mentioned you have some other ideas of who might be able to turn her over or at least come with her in terms of exactness. What are you thinking as far as that goes? I think there's two other interesting horses in, in here. Um, number one, Joe, number four, bred by Classic, Thoroughbred 29, trained by Brittany Russell, comes off a, I thought, pretty impressive win at Delaware Park last time out in an uh, October 19th allowance optional claiming race. Sat off the pace, closed well on the stretch, and got up to beat um, Intrepid Daydream, who is a very impressive and promising Maryland bred in her own right. Joe uh, number four uh, also won on this track back on July 30th with a similar closing move. She's going to get a good trip on the inside, just off the pace in a smaller field. I think the odds of her getting into trouble are not that great. So she'll have idle circumstances under which to run her best race. And number five, Paisley singing. Bit of an upset candidate, I think, here for um, Charles Snake Frock and the apprentice sensation of Maryland, uh, Jaron Barbosa, who... Just came back from an injury in quick time. Love to see it. And in fact, he'll be probably getting some Eclipse um, love. Fingers crossed. Had a gate to wire win uh, a day after Maryland Millen in a second level allowance optional claiming race. Set the pace, held on to win. Uh, she's run three great figures as of late on the Brisbane Skip L. In fact, three of her best races have been her three recent starts. She'll have some speed competition to her inside, but I think. She- uh, she is fast enough to get the rail and the lead if she breaks well. And it is definitely an upset candidate or at least someone who could hold up a second and round out an exacta. A bet that many of our uh, listeners will be participating in in this race. I do want to move on and maybe get some quick thoughts from you on what looks like an interesting trio of stakes races on Saturday where there is some Maryland bred participation, though they're open stakes. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, I know you had some other news about stuff going on in the uh, in, in the in the Maryland thoroughbred uh, breeders world. And I wanted to give you a chance to, to share some of that with us. Yes, it's, it, it has been a. Very long time coming, but the grand opening of the Horse Library and Education Center over at our headquarters in Town, it will take place on December 16th at 12 o'clock. We'll have a ribbon-cutting ceremony followed by our annual open house. It's open to the public, and it's, it's, it's going to be great because we've been working on this for a long time. Um, we've had the building now for a few years, started construction on it. Earlier this year, or at least on the air earlier this year, had our soft opening on Maryland Million Eve. It's a great resource. There's so many cool books, um, great meeting spaces, in a very um, airing, uh, uh, airy, comfortable setting, I think. And it's going to be a great asset uh, for the Maryland horse industry. So if you're in the area on, on December 16th, be sure to come by. It's going to be a great event. 
That's very tempting, actually. That's not a that's not a bad jaunt down here from uh, from the Brooklyn bunker. Tell me about the archive. What kind of research materials are there, and are these things? I imagine for people who write about and podcast about horse racing, this will be a, a, a great resource to tell some of the great stories from Maryland racing history, which is a very rich history indeed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I, um, I spent a a day going through our. Uh, storage unit and um, looking at a lot of the old books and materials that we had. And there's a, a lot of information in these books. It's pretty hard to find elsewhere. Um, a lot of chart books, a lot of old American racing uh, manuals. So, so if you like me and enjoy pouring through random race results from years past, you come to the uh, right place. Um, lots of very cool books. Lots of rare books. I actually have a, a book on my desk. It's a copy of the Maryland Jockey Club Media Guide from 1924. And there's a lot of cool uh, little gems that you'll find in our library, much like that one. Very, very cool. All right, let's talk quickly. We won't go into the same level of detail, but the this trio of stakes races on Saturday, just curious, I'll let you guide the conversation. We can use Maryland bred participants as a way in. We could use any particular thoughts that you have the stakes action kicks off in race number six with the with the safely kept stakes what angles are you interested in talking about in here so race six is 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 safely kept of course named after the maryland bred sprinter of the late 80s and early 90s won the 1990 Judith cup sprint and was a three-time maryland maryland champion giant field here 14 horses three maryland reds the best one the one i think who has the best shot is number eight Divine Huntress, a daughter of a Maryland stallion, Divine Ingrat, who stands at Country Life Farm. She's shown kind of glimpses of promise over the course of her nine-star career. One of the Miss Disco Stakes against Maryland Reds back on, on July 30th has has a time off, off since a dull race in, in the Charlestown Oaks and is in with a shot here, I think. Top pick is probably going to end up being a Delaware shipper that's number two. Liz Colvin, trained by Cal Lynch, Frankie Pennington, named to ride. Won very impressively against first level company. Last time out, power on a hot pace. Draw to win by three lengths. She's run career best prisoner figures in each of her last four starts, and she'll get a good trip on the rail and on the pace. Makes sense. I definitely think my my inclination is to think the pace might come apart a little bit here, but I do think that uh, you, you probably on to something with the idea of the two Liz Colvin potentially proving the best of speed in this spot. Let's move to race number seven, where we've got the city of Laurel stakes, obvious tie-ins to Maryland racing. We're going seven furlongs on the dirt here with a hundred thousand in the pot. And once again, a big full field signed up. Where's your eye draw? Yeah. We'll get a 13 here. A few, few Maryland dreads to note. Note. Uh, I, I think the one who has, the best chance of winning is number seven, Al Loves Josie, bred by Anchor and Hope Farm, and a son of Anchor and Hope Stallion, Holy Boss. Went gate to wire to win pretty impressively in a first-level Maryland bred allowance at Laurel on October 29th. Matched his career-best prisoner figure that day with a 92. Obviously has, has to deal with some speed, but he is extremely fast early and could possibly leave them reeling. Top picks probably end up being number five, Radical Right, trained by Dale Capuano. 
came off the pace, got out to win against older voices back on November 6th. He's also in career best form, and he would take advantage of a possible pace meltdown. I really like that angle of a runner like Radical Right getting onto the new surface and just improving so much. It was the first time getting onto the dirt for the first time in a long time and clearly it agreeing with him now. And yeah, with the big full field, I could absolutely see this pace heating up and things coming correct for Radical Right in this spot. One more stakes race to talk about on the Saturday's card, the Richard W. Small Stakes. We stretch out. We're going a mile and an eighth on the dirt. Big purse, and uh, we still have a decent-sized field here. It looks like nine scheduled to go postward in, in, in this one. Who's your idea of the winner? So, as you said, nine hoist field in, in this one named after uh, Richard Small, longtime Maryland trainer who campaigned, among others, uh, Maryland Red Stars, Broad Brush, and Concern for Bob Meyerhoff. If he goes, all eyes are going to be on number two, Quartermaker, who much like Richard told me to go, is pounding on the door of a millionaire's club. He's about $9,000 shy. Uh, Trevor Ronnie Jenkins made some comments the other day saying that he might not go in here. He, he might wait for an open allowance spot on December 11th in, instead. So I so I um, suppose we'll see. If he goes, I'm going to be cheering for him, but I don't know if I could bet him. His last start on the 4th of November, it, it it was his first start off a long layoff, so I, I was not necessarily uh, expecting his peak performance, but he did absolutely nothing that day. He lost by 16 lengths, ran a very low figure by his standards. Has a good workout sense, but it is not unreasonable to believe. Maybe he's lost a step or two late in his 70-year-old year, and if he does go, he is going to get bet a lot. I think there's a few in here who looked pretty interesting, including number one, Our Nation on Parade, another Maryland bred, son of Cal Nation, bred by John Williamson III and trained by Jamie Ness. Went first off the claim for Ness in, in Maryland Million Classic in a nice wide move on a turn, dropped win pretty impressively, scratched out of the claiming crown jewel two weeks ago and, and now finds himself in this spot, has a good workout sense and should work out a good trip. Also want to note uh, number three, American Dior coming off back-to-back huge allowance optional claiming wins. Could be in a final spot and win his first stakes. And, and, and number five, Ryan with Biden, who kind of has in-and-out form, but did go gate to wire to win the deputed testimony on this track in late July. Definitely a horse that makes sense to potentially be the best of speed. I was trying to figure out what I thought was going to happen on the front end between Thomas Sheldon and riding with Biden. And I haven't, I haven't quite made a final decision on that one, but I, I would imagine running some, uh, I'll probably have some fives and maybe a few sixes on tickets in case the pace holds together. And I definitely get your case for the one runner, our nation on parade, a horse that seems to be able to, uh, you know, create his own trip and should be able to get a good one in here as he goes for the five Pete uh, at Laurel on Saturday. Well, John, it's a pleasure to have you on these airwaves. Happy to do it again soon. Any closing thoughts from you about uh, racing this weekend or anything else going on in the Maryland world of racing? Well, I will say a lot of folks tend to sleep on Maryland racing, even though, um, um, even though I have been uh, beating the drum on Twitter about it now for many, many years. But 
He's always great racing there. A lot of wide open fields all the time. Uh, you don't see too many odds on favorites, especially as of late. Should be a lot of great stakes this Sunday, and I'm pumped uh, up, up for this weekend. Next weekend, uh, for that pair of Maryland Red two-year-old stakes. And then in, in, in a few weeks, once we officially open up our library and, and education center, it's going to be a crown jewel of the sport here, for sure. That's so awesome. We will be covering Maryland racing a lot more this weekend. Uh, well, a lot more this winter, I should say, uh, and and hopefully beyond, thanks to your support and uh, and the support of uh, of the Maryland breeders. So we, we really appreciate that. You mentioned about your Twitter and the information you put out on there. An excellent follow. Tell people where they can find you. So my personal account on Twitter, find me at there off. I talk about Maryland racing and other stuff too. Um, follow the, 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 follow the MHBA on Twitter as well. Find us at Maryland TB on both Facebook on, on Twitter and Instagram and find us on Facebook, Maryland Thoroughbred. If you see those posts and are like, man, who is that genius who makes all those great and, and insightful posts, that would be me. <laughs> I love it, John. Really appreciate your help. We'll be talking soon. All right, Peter. Take care. We here at In the Money are proud to be partnered with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses. So breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on racing and breeding investments because of the benefits from the KTDF. Churchill Downs Racing and the Kentucky Racing Circuit as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. For more information, please check out inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Our next guest on this Friday special show, you've been hearing him a lot on the network, and we're happy to welcome him back in now from Twinspires.com, the Churchill Downs simulcast feed, Scott Shapiro. Scott, what's the latest? Hey, Pete, long time no chat. Good to be with you. <laughs> of course, we're recording this right after the Friday, so a little, little very clever inside joke there. Uh, after the Thursday, I should say, clever inside joke there from Scott, who we always love having on these airwaves and, you know, always does such a thorough job capping these races. You can find more of him, as we mentioned, on the simulcast feed, also on Twinspires.com, doing expert picks. But if you want to know what he thinks ahead of time in a way that you can help get your thoughts organized before you're handicapping, you catch him over here on In the Money. And right now, we're going to talk about a couple of graded stakes races at the end of the Friday Churchill Downs card. And there's also a nice allowance and a maiden as well. We kick things off at 457 Eastern with the grade two Mrs. Revere for these three-year-old fillies. Mile and a 16th on the turf. Uh, In the Money Media Trivia, one of the first shows we ever did back in 2014. This was one of the, the featured races, as I recall. I, I'd be really impressed if I could remember who won the 2014 running. I can't I can't pull that rabbit out of a hat. What do you think I am, Nick Tamro? But uh, we'll bring in Scott now to get his thought on uh, who's going to win this one. Sparkling review? <laughs> is, is, is that the horse? <laughs> I didn't. I don't have it in front of me. But I should have. I didn't know how I was going to land the plane with that particular. Um, I'm going. I'll look up the stakes history right now. And it was 2014. It. That's who it was. But that's, if it that's was who it was. Yeah. That's who it was. That's yeah. fantastic. We'll go. I'll go back and listen to that show and see if any of us were clever enough to to pick the winner that day. What, what do you like in the? Tw- we, we we talked enough about the 2014 running. What do you like in 2022? 
Well, we didn't run this race last year, 2020. It was Princess Grace who won it. Man, this is a puzzler, Pete. Even figuring out the pace uh, scenario was a little bit troubling in here. I would suspect Bubble Rock will be on the lead, but she was on the lead last time in the Valley View and was unable to even hit the board. Joel Rosario will turn to ride, uh, return to ride. I landed on number seven, Lovely Princess, as a lukewarm top selection who uh, got the best of personal best last time out in a first-level allowance event at Keeneland and did so pretty easily. Per personal best did come back to win at Aqueduct on November 18th at four to five, earning uh, a pretty good figure that day. I think it was noteworthy that Brian Hernandez Jr. stays aboard Lovely Princess because he was also aboard another Kenny McPeak runner that I give a shot moving up in class, and that's Sweet Lady Ivanka, a horse that my colleague Joe Christofek absolutely loved moving to the turf on November 10th. And she had some trouble, but when she found clear sailing finally mid-stretch, she really exploded with the addition of blinkers also for the first time. I'm going to lean on those two as top two selections, certainly, uh, though, a race that I'm going to get some coverage in. You've got California Angel, the late running uh, George Leonard, the third runner that should be finishing well, but uh, a very challenging rendition of the Mrs. Revere. I was going to go with Bubble Rock, and I just was thinking this was the kind of horse Rosario could make a difference on. That was really my only angle. Well, that, I suppose, in third race off the layoff. I did want to put this one forward because I do think she has a chance to be clear on pace figures and might have a little bit more finish than she was able to show last time based on the PPs. But I certainly respect your ideas of the seven and the five as well. Let's move to race 10. We've got an allowance race going seven furlongs on the dirt and a race. This one was a head scratcher to me because it feels like a race where I wanted a closer, but I couldn't confidently settle on one. First of all, do you agree with my idea that this is a race that has the potential to come apart? And where did you land? I do think there's uh, going to be an honest early pace in this one with Gulfstream Way drawn along the inside first time in the Brad Cox barn. You've got Dr. Perry drawn kind of in between the other the speeds in there, likely to be one, want to be prominently placed getting off the inside for the first time this year. And then you have Zip and Gigi to the far outside, really only has one way to go. We'll see if she's fast enough to uh, run with these uh, first level allowance sprinters. I'm going to go to a horse on top that I think will sit kind of that in that second tier as opposed to a dead closer, and that's Call Me Fast, the son of Dialed In that ran two huge races at Keeneland after running a big race here at Churchill at the one-turn mile distance win, uh, racing against the track profile on the front end and getting run down by Higginson for Brad Cox. The effort at Keeneland to break the maiden on October 8th was really good. I don't think it was a very good field, but he handled the field by more than eight lengths, basically running off the screen. And then uh, on November 4th, took on winners for the first time, had an absolutely terrible uh, trip in the early going, off a bit slow, was moved into a tight spot, still almost ran down Marsalis, a front-running type for Steve Asmussen that has done very little wrong throughout his career. So I think Call Me Fast should get a really good trip here, has a little bit of proven form over this course, but uh, this is a fun race, Pete. I thought there were a lot of different ways you could go. I like that idea of Call Me Fast. I'll put forth the idea of taking a shot with Spartan Army, who I think is the 11 runner in this spot. Yep. Another one of these horses, third off a layoff, I feel like just didn't have a very good situation last time and maybe can be seen to better effect sitting off of a fast, sitting a little farther back off of a fast pace as opposed to being close to a slow pace and then just getting out kicked and kind of having the wheels come off uh, late on. A bit of a guess, but it, it's that kind of race where I think you can maybe have an opportunity to be a little bit creative. Did you want to mention any others specifically to come with Call Me Fast in this spot, Scott? 
I thought Spartan Army is a good call by you. I know Dallas Stewart's always been high on this horse. One on debut here on the Stars of Tomorrow. One card last year on Halloween. Uh, ran into two buzzsaws and run classic and Marsalis on September 22nd. And then last time you gave a real good account for what happened there, kind of up close and along the inside on a slow pace. Now you get a rider change to Brian Hernandez Jr. Look for Brian to maybe take a little bit more of a hold from the outside, work out a kind of a mid-pack trip. So I think that one has a chance. Milliken's interesting. I mean, this is a horse that has burnt so much money. A half to McCracken with dignity and four graces, that ever-powerful damn ivory empress. Certainly has some talent, has not lived up to billing, but uh, could be rolling late off the freshening. Hasn't been seen since May 4th. First time as a gelding for Milliken, too. That was a reason I wanted to think about uh, maybe throwing him in. An underachiever, but an underachiever who might finally be a price? Or or am I dreaming on that? Well, the as time of recording, the morning line odds are not out yet, so I'd be guessing to an extent. I mean, it would make sense for him not to get over bet, but when I look at the, you know, <laughs> I remember seeing him at five to two, three to one, a couple of races, and he went off at four to five and three to five. But you would think he'd be a little bit of a better price. This is a pretty tough field, and we haven't seen him in some time. But maybe some of the betters that lost money over and over again betting <laughs> on Milliken will have already forgotten about it, and he'll go right back to him. As ever, let price be your guide, but I'm gonna I'm gonna at least put on my short list to consider if if, if ignored, um, one to maybe get stuck into. We've got Grade One action on this Black Friday in the form of the Clark going a mile and an eighth. Return to the races of the Derby Hero, disrespected by many, including myself, after the Kentucky Derby. And I have to say, you look at the horse, the, the race. Um, this horse ran two back in the Lucas Classic, and that was a better effort than what I certainly thought he was going to be capable of after uh, after the Derby and, and subsequent Belmont Stakes runs. I feel like this is the wrong time for me to get on to the Rich Strike bandwagon, but it does feel like he does feel like the horse we're supposed to start the conversation with. Where did you land on Rich Strike and the rest of them in this year's Clark? Well, no doubt you have to merit major respect for Rich Strike, who has shown an affinity for this racetrack, to say the least. Uh, you know, most of his best performances have been here at Churchill. You mentioned the Lucas Classic. Obviously, everyone remembers the heroic run up the inside under the great ride by Sonny Leone at 80 to 1 in the Derby. That being said, I'm kind of speaking, you know, hearing what you're saying, Pete, because he's never been favored. I haven't really been on his side before. Am I going to really run to him now when he's going to be the likely uh, overbet horse? Doesn't mean he can't win. But I also wonder if a mile and an eighth is a little shorter than he wants, ideally, yeah. at this level. We saw him in the Lucas Classic. He ran a big race that day, but he got, a, you know, maybe a little bit closer up than he wanted to be. Getting turned away by Hot Rod Charlie, not necessarily something that happens a lot. In fact, Hot Rod Charlie is usually the one that's getting turned away despite big efforts. So that's a little bit concerning. He did run well in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I think the Brad Cox duo of Folsom and Westwell Power merit major respect. Westwell Power has the better races lately, but has had more soft trips. Was loose on the lead in the Fayette, gone very slow, pulled away late. Same could be said in the uh, allowance event on September 28th here. Was loose on the lead under slow fractions that day. I think he has a big chance here. I don't think he'll be loose in this spot, but I think Folsom Pete is interesting, and I think he's going to get overlooked because the numbers just haven't been as good as some of his rivals of late. But I'm willing to toss the Fayette. He ran a well-beaten second to his aforementioned stablemate, but like I said, they crawled that day. This is a late-running type. And then on October 1st in the Grade 3 Act Act, they tried the one-turn mile, just a little sharper than Folsom once, underwhelming fifth. But he's got some good races to go back to here. He's 8-for-16 in his career. 
And I think the pace will be honest enough to allow him to make a strong late run. It's an interesting idea. And, you know, maybe some potential team tactics there, right? With West Willpower being a horse who you'd guess the best chance would be on the lead and Folsom obviously coming late. I, I couldn't ultimately grab Folsom for the idea that I feel like if a closer wins, isn't it supposed to be Rich Strike? But at the same time, if it ends up being too sharp, as you say, the mile and eight for Rich Strike, maybe Folsom just trips out tremendously. Yeah. So, very good idea, I, I think. For me. Price dependent, right? You know, I think I think you know a lot of people are going to see it that way. I think if you look at the numbers, he doesn't look like one of the faster horses. So a lot going against him on paper, which I think will benefit the price in the end. It should do. I'll take a little bit of a shot with injunction in here on the idea of maybe we get the right kind of stalk and pounce type trip. I'm assuming West Will Power gets you know sent from the outside. On pace figures, Trademark is one who could potentially be up in the mix as well. I don't know, maybe Injunction duels and tires, but I do like the fact that this is a horse who's been able to sit going a mile and an eighth and and finish a little bit uh, as well. That'll be that'll be my idea in this spot. In terms of your overall wagering, what will you do with Rich Strike? Will you have him as a backup, or are you going to try to stand against entirely? I think he's a backup type horse. I definitely think he's capable of winning this race. He has a number of recent races that would not only put him in the mix, that but would probably win the race. Yeah. It's just more of a price dependent fade on top for me. I, um, you know, I, I I do respect him, and he like you. I mean, I thought the Derby was going to be the once in a lifetime for him. I disrespected him. He didn't run well in the Belmont, but he's run well in those three races since. I mean, the Travers, he was what a nose away from second. He ran way better than I thought that day, and then even the Breeders' Cup Classic, you know. Nobody was getting a flight line, but he didn't make a pet poor performance there. So I, I, I respect him, but price-wise, and just injunction, you know, I think that's a good pick. A mile and an eighth, a little further maybe than he wants, but this is a game horse that has tactical fe- tactical speed and has showed an affinity for this racetrack. Those are fast races, though, those fourths. You know, you look at those rich strike efforts, and, oh, fourth, you know, but then you know, yeah, fourth to flight line and fourth to a very fast, in a very fast Travers that close to, to second, as you point out. Yeah, the rich strike, it's kind of funny. I mean, look, they're going to come for him, but it's, I think you could definitely make an argument that his form is, his ability is probably a little bit better than the bear form suggests at this point. I can't imagine I'm saying that about this horse that I feel like he's, you know, so overhyped, you know, publicly anyway, in the wake of the Derby. It's a fascinating contest and a good way to spend uh, some time on a Friday afternoon. Let's get to the nightcap race 12. We've got maiden special weight fillies and mares three and up. We're going seven and a half on the dirt. When it comes to this late pick four on Friday, how are we going to get paid, my friend? Well, I think number seven, Shady Road, makes a ton of sense. Didn't get uh, out of the gate great, but did find good forward position when we saw uh, her last and her first try over the main track here on November 6th on the one-turn mile. Made a uh, move, made the front uh, after a three-wide move on the turn, but was run down by a, an off-the-pace type in one-time mo for Neil Pesson. I think she's probably the likeliest winner, but I'm not willing to come close to going all in on her as I think she might get over bet a bit. It might be more of a turf horse in the end. Looking to alternatives, I think Awesome Alley V is a little bit intriguing. It's uh, noteworthy that Tyler Gaffleone takes the call here, second start off the bench, and Michael Lauer moves this one into the protected maiden ranks after racing against maiden claimers for her first four starts. She ran good uh, two back at Saratoga, you might recall, on August 12th. 
uh, coming out of the Wilson shoot, the four to five favorite won that day, won that race convincingly. She grinded away second. I think she's got an outside look on the class hike. And uh, outside of that, maybe Royal take charge, a first time starter for Al Stahl Jr. Getting a late start to her career, a full to take charge row who uh, won three of 15, finished in the money nine times, earned over 200 dimes. Did win all of her races either on the turf or the all-weather, but uh, I don't think it's going to take a massive effort to to win this race. And if you're really reaching, maybe number four, 2020 Hoax, is finally going to make it to the winner's circle. 21 tries. I don't really love supporting these type of horses. But there's a scenario here where she's loose on the lead, and she might be a little bit better than her running line suggests. Her last two efforts on the main track have come against pretty live groups. I was going to leave the four in the mix as a B as well, just <laughs> on that pace angle. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. You you said it before I did for fear that you just completely laugh me out of here mentioning an O for twenty one. But I did make we're we're the same on the top pick with uh, number seven Shady Road, who I thought just moved a little too early into the fast pace last time. And I use this angle in reverse all the time. A horse that has a lot of dirt starts, gets on turf and improves, often will improve again. I think the same could be said for Shady Road, maybe. I mean, I agree pedigree-wise, and based on the first three runs, you'd think turf horse, but the improvement on the dirt, undeniable, sharp back in just 19 days. I think Rusty Arnold doing that here is doing that with intent. So hopefully the price won't be too short and uh, we'll be able to get some work done with Shady Road in the nightcap. The phone is ringing. I'm in my dad's old office. I don't know how to make it stop, so <laughs> we're just going to listen to it as I send the um, – at least it's not doing that thing where it, like, does the robo voice and tells you who the call is from because that would really be embarrassing. I could cut this out, but I'm just going to leave it in. I think folks sometimes like to see how the sausage is made here at In the Money Media. Scott, you've been a stalwart this week. Appreciate you very much. We are going to be back. I think I'm going to have Sean Tugel in to talk a little bit about uh, the future Stars card, Stars of Tomorrow card that's happening on Saturday. You can get more from Scott on the simulcast feed, twinspires.com. Appreciate your help this week and basically what's been every week lately, my friend. No, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully we can close out the meet strong with the uh, holiday stakes action. And then, like you said, that Stars of Tomorrow 2 card, when we're, as of recording, hasn't been drawn yet. But I'm expecting an awesome uh, day of two-year-olds with the Golden Rod and the Kentucky Jockey Club headlining the uh, day. Did they draw that today? They draw it. Uh, we're, yeah, it's Thursday or it's Wednesday morning. We'll be drawing that uh, in a couple hours. In fact, they might be uh, conducting business right now in the racing office with, uh, of course, Ben Huffman leading the way. No rest for you on Thanksgiving. You'll you'll be diving into the form for Saturday. Oh yeah, this is not a. Uh, I'm thankful for a lot of things, but it's not going to be rest this, uh, this ever really <laughs> with this job on Thanksgiving weekend. That's very funny. Well, we appreciate it very much. We do a lot for horse players. We 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 will be talking to you again very soon. Happy Thanksgiving. You too, Pete. That's going to do it for today's show. We want to thank John Piasek and we want to thank Scott Shapiro for their contributions, the MHBA and the KTDF. We've got a whole alphabet soup of sponsors today to thank as well. Who else? How about our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation? Go to trfinc.org slash players. Best way to give of the year over there right now, a matching bonus. And you can also get one of the few remaining bottles of the In the Money Whiskey. Also, 10-strike racing, love to root for the purple and black around here, especially these days with uh, Looms Boldly in New York in the Brad Cox barn. Can't thank those guys enough for that and just big fans of the whole team for 10-strike racing. 
Most of all, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Breeders' Cup betting champion Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.